recording this for you from Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, and although I would love to be there with you in person, it, it is such a Torah in Hakadosh Baruch Hu's land, in the city, in the place that is Mamishlam to the Kodesh Hakadoshim. So I miss being with you in person, but Baruch Hashem through Torah. We will continue our bond, we'll continue our connection today as well. So today's daf is Tess Zayin, 16 in, in the Seches Yibamis. And we are picking up on the top line of Tess Zayin Amud Aleph, an incredible Gimar Tashma. Bimei Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkinus, Hutra Saras Habas La'achin. So remember again, we're, we're, there's two things happening over here. Number one, we have a general machlokis, Beshaim Beshilo, about Halacha regarding Saras Erva. And you have again, Beisham is saying that Allah erva is mutter. And when we say mutter, means there's a mitzvah to do yibum. And you have Beisilo, who's saying that it's mamish aser. In the midst of all this, we also have a machlokis about whether or not Beisham, when they espouse particular halachic ideology, did they follow through on that ideology or did they just simply espouse it, but in practice really followed Beisilo? So that's an ongoing machlokis as well, which we have not yet resolved. So the Gemara says as follows May Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus. In the days of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinos, Chutra Tsaras Habas La'achin. There was a case of a Tsaras Habas. There was a case, ultimately, again, of a. Uh, this is our paradigmatic case. Reuven is married to two women, Rachel and Leah. Rachel is his brother Shimon's daughter. So Reuven married his niece. Now Reuven passes away. So obviously Shimon can't do Yibum with his own daughter, with Rachel. So the Shaila is what's the implication on Leah, the unrelated co wife? So remember again, Basila will say Tsaras Erva is like an Erva, and therefore she's Asura. Beishamai says it's Mutter. So there's a story that happens happened. There's Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinos that this case occurred. And ultimately, again, Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinos said that Halacha Lamaisa, you could do Yibum with the Tsaras Erva. Shmamina Asu Shmamina. So the Marcus, what do you see from here? You see from here that Halacha Lamaisa, Beishamai did not only espouse ideology, but they mamish acted upon it as well. To which the Gemara says, Shmamino, you're right, there seems to be a conclusive proof to the ongoing question, which is Beishamai didn't just espouse ideas, but rather Halacha Lamaisa, they implemented it as well. Shmamino. Good. So we'll say now the Gemara is going to focus on this story of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus. So Gufa, Bimei Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, Hitiru Tzaras Habas Li'achin. In the days of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, they allowed Tzaras Habas to go ahead and do Yibum. So remember again, in our case, Reuven's married, right? Reuven has two wives, Rachel and Leah. Rachel is an erva to one of the brothers. She's a daughter. So in these Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, they allowed Leah, the Tzaras erva, to do Yibum with one of the brothers. So the Chachamim. And this whole episode was very difficult for the Chachamim. Now, why is that? Because Because there's two things happening. Number one, it was Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus who permitted this. So firstly, you have a Godel Hadar, a Godel Hadar Paskening like Beis Shammai. So that was problematic by itself because the conventional wisdom was that Allah follows Beisilo. So number one, you have a Godel Hadar Paskening like Beis Shammai. That's Aleph. Beis, here's what's interesting. Apparently Rabbi Dosa ben Orkinus was blind. The Lashon over here is, Rashi says, first of all, Shechacham Godel Hayo, Usfurim Chachamim Shu Etira, Kamu Amdu Milio. So first of all, number one, they assumed that what they heard in the name of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus was indeed his Pesach Halacha. So they were bothered by such an Adam Gadol, such an important person, passing like Beishamai. That's number one. Number two, he was blind, or at least very, his sight was impaired. 
Therefore, he was unable to come to the base medrash. Now, this is incredible. Why is that difficult? Because had Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus been able to come to the base medrash, they could have talked it out with him, right? In other words, we, we could have had it out. We could have discussed this, which is such an incredible idea, which is that what bothered them was the inability to properly discuss this, that there's a difference of opinions. Of course, you have differences of opinions, but what was additionally troubling, remember again, our whole tradition, all of Gimara is built on the concept that we have machlokes. Of course, you have machlokes, but the goal of machlokes is to be able to discuss it. The goal, remember, the goal of machlokes is not to disagree. The goal of machlokes is to be able to discuss the source of disagreement and to figure out how to reconcile, or if we can't reconcile, at least to understand the other position. So. It was difficult to Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus passing the way that he did, but the fact that there was unable to be a dialogue, right? The worst thing about Machlokis is when you can't have a dialogue with the other party. So they decided, Amar mi'elech v'yodiyo. So they said, okay, let's send a delegation. Let's send a delegation, ultimately again, to discuss this with Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, which again, such a Moser You have a Machlokis, you don't understand how many times does it happen in life where someone says something or you heard that someone says something and you just take it at face value, you just take it for what it is and you never even bother to be mavarer, to clarify. Did the person say this? Did they really mean this? How much machlokis is created within Am Yisrael? Because we don't take the time to approach people to clarify what they did or did not say. This is true in the base medrash and it's true in our personal relationships as well. So they say, you know what? Let's go to Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus. Let's go to him. Who's going to go? Amr Lahen, Rabbi Yeshua, Ani Eilech, Vacharami. So Rabbi Yeshua says, I'll go. Who else? Vacharami, Rabbi Laz ben Azaria. Rabbi Laz ben Azaria will go as well. Vacharami, who else will go? Rabbi Akiva. Both say, so listen to this delegation, right? You've got Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Akiva, and, excuse me, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Laz ben Azaria, and Rabbi Akiva. Mamish, Mamish, the God Dolin. They come to the house of Rabbi Hanina, of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, and they're standing outside. Standing outside, so they knock. So it's so beautiful. So they show up at the doorway, and the shifcha, the maid, the servant of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus says, Rabbi, the wise men of Israel have come to you. Amr la yikansu. So she says, so he said to them, come inside. So now these three great Rabbanim come into the home of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus. Amr al-Sav, Tafsu, Rabbi Yoshua, Voshivu Abmita Shalzav. So ultimately, again, the Lashon of Tafsu is interesting. So literally, Tafsu literally means grab. But Lamais in this context doesn't mean grab, it means they seated Rabbi Yoshua. So apparently, Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, out of the three, really only knew well Rabbi Yoshua. So Rabbi Yoshua comes in, they honored guest, they give him a golden bed, mita shalzav, a golden couch to sit down on. Amrali Rebbe. So Rabbi Yoshua says to Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, Rabbi, Amrali Tamidacha Achar Vyeshev. I didn't come along. Remember again, Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus can't see. So Rabbi Yoshua says to him, Rabbi, I didn't come along. I didn't come alone. Can you tell your other student to sit down as well? Amrali Mihu, who else came with you? Sarbalaza ben Azaria. Ultimately, again, who else came with me? Rabbi Eloza ben Azaria. Amar, Shrabi Dosa ben Horkin is so happy about his guest. Amar, Vyeshlo ben Lazaria Chavirenu. Did Azaria have a son? Did Azaria have a son? So it sounds like from the Gemara, again, I don't know if this means that Azaria had difficulty having children 
or that perhaps again Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus just wasn't in touch with Azariah for a very long time. In any event, he hears that he had a son. Now remember, there's another piece to this. Remember, Rabbi Dosa ben Azariah was a young man when he rose to prominence. He was only 18 years old when he experienced the meteoric rise to greatness. Remember again, Pesach's coming. This is in the Haggadah, Gemara Meseches Brachas. So it could just very well be, Rabbi Dosa ben Azariah, even at this point, was a very young man. So, it would appear, and if the fact also that, that, that Rabbi Dosa didn't hear of him yet seems to indicate that he was, still, he was still in his youth. So therefore, again, Rabbi Dosa is so happy. Elazar has a son, excuse me, Azariah has a son. Incredible. Kara Alav, he said about Rabbi Dosa ben Azariah, Kara Alav HaMikrazeh, Nar Hayisi Gamza Kanti, this is absolutely beautiful. See, he says over here, said the Pasek, literally again, I was a youth, and even when I became old, I never saw a tzaddik who was forsaken. So apparently this was the bracha that he had given the fact that Azariah, the fact that Azariah was blessed as a, as a, with a son. So Azariah, so, so the, Rabbi Dosa felt this to be a manifestation of the Ribbono Shal Olam's kindness. Nar hayisi, you know, the Bashan Tavakadosh has a beautiful interpretation of this Pasik. He says, Nar Hayisi. Nar means a young person. A young person is often filled with hope and optimism, dreams, aspirations. But what happens? Gamzakanti. Sometimes I get old. Sometimes I get old, and you know, old is not necessarily a biological statement. Old age, a person can be biologically young, but we'll call it like hashkafically or aspirationally old. I give up. So what's the goal in life? Nar hayisi. I start life so filled with dreams, hopes, aspirations, optimism. Kamzakanti. Then I get old. But the but but the goal is velore isi tzadik neezov. I realize that if I constantly strive to be a tzaddik, I constantly strive to be righteous, ultimately again, lo nezav, I'll never be forsaken by Hashem. There's sometimes the best way to hold on to our youthful aspirations and our sense of optimism and hope is through dveikus Bashem. When I have a relationship with the Ribbono Shal Olam, that gives me hope optimism. That gives me a drive to be more, to want to do more. It doesn't allow me to become old in, in, in the aspirational sense. In any event, so, so Rabbi Dosa is applying this over here. Ah, so Elazar, he was successful when he was young and Baruch Hashem, he's successful when he's old. Incredible. So the Rabbi also on a seat, on a couch of gold. So now again, so Rabbi Yeshua says to Rabbi Dosa, Rabbi, there's one more. There's one more Talmud who's here. Bring in, seat, seat your Talmud. So ultimately, so who's the Talmud who's here? So Akiva ben Yosef. So he said, Rabbi Akiva. Akiva ben Yosef. So Rabbi Dosa hears that Rabbi Akiva is in his home. Atahu Akiva ben Yosef. Are you the Akiva ben Yosef, the Rabbi Akiva, whose name spreads from one end of the world to the other? 
Shave Bini. Right? Shave Bini, shave. Please, my son. It's actually quite beautiful how the term of endearment that with which Rabbi Dosa speaks to Rabbi Akiva. Shave Bini, shave. Sit, my son. Sit. Ultimately, again, there should be a proliferation of tzaddikim, of people just like you in Kalal Yisrael. So it's really quite beautiful. So again, you see that Rabbi Dosa knows Rabbi Yoshua, knows Rabbi Yoshua already. Rabbi Lazar didn't, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah didn't know Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah existed. But so happy to hear that his friend Azariah was given a son. Again, which is important for us in the story, but also important hashkafically. And Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, apparently you heard about Akiva. Are you the Rabbi Akiva? Are you the Rabbi Akiva? Who everyone knows your name from one end of the world to the other. And such a beautiful bracha. May, may there be more Rabbi Akivas in Kalali. So, and by the way, I'll just point out the incredible juxtaposition between Rabbi Akiva and ultimately, again, the bracha that Rabbi Dosa used to bench Rabbi Loza ben Azariah. Because especially as we just interpreted, according to the Baal Shem Tov, that Na'ra'isi gamza kanti v'lo'ra'isi tzadik ne'ezov is really David Hanalech is a pasuk about not using, not losing, excuse me, your youthful, your youthful optimism. That is, isn't that what successful life is all about? We give up. We start out as a nar, and then I become a zokain. But I realize, but I realize that at the end of the day, velora isi tzadik nezov. If I could just be a tzadik, if I could just have dveikas b'ashem, then I could hold on to that youthful optimism. Wasn't that Rabbi Akiva? Wasn't that who Rabbi Akiva was at the end of the day? Wasn't the greatness of Rabbi Akiva, Zechusa Yogin Aleinu, the ability to hold on to hope and optimism, the ability to see good even in the midst of Khurban? So it's really amazing how these Rabbanim are coming in one after the other and how even the Pasuk that Rabbi Dosa said about Rabbi Loza ben Azariah is almost like an incredible introduction of Rabbi Akiva himself. And anyway, I'll also just say, I will say, like, think about all the people in this house, right? can, you, can you imagine if in your dining room you have Rabbi Yoshua, excuse me, you have Rabbi Dosa, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Laza ben Azariah, Rabbi Akiva. It's incredible. And it's going to happen again. Mashiach comes and it's going to be Tchias HaMesim. We're going to walk into the base Medrash. We're going to see all of these, all of these great Rabbeim, all these great Rabbanim, all these great Tanam and Amram. They're, they're all going to be there. Gives us another something to daven for, because who could imagine the Kedusha that's going to be in the world when all of these Neshamas come back. In any event, so the Gemara goes on. So they began to go ahead and pepper Rabbi Yosho with questions about Halachas, general questions. Until they came to the case of Tsaras Habas. So they said, Rabbi, so Rabbi Dosa, what's that locha with Tsaras Habas? Oh, Tsaras Habas, that's a machlokis, Beisilel and Beisham Beisilel. The halacha, halacha kedivremi. So they asked, Rabbi Dosa, who does the halacha follow? They said, ah, so Rabbi Dosa, I'm sorry, Rabbi Dosa says the halacha follows Beisilel. So remember again, the whole reason they came to Rabbi Dosa was because they heard that Rabbi Dosa paskind that Saras Habas is mutter, meaning mutter and yibum, like Beishamai. So they now come to him, they're talking, and by, oh, by the way, what's the lachot Saras Habas? Machlok is Yashem Beisilah, how do we paskin? Like Beisilah. Amr lay. So they said, Rabbi Dosa, Valo Mishmech Amr Adach Beishamai. Aye, they said, Rabbi Dosa, but in your name we heard that the halacha follows Beishamai. Amr lahem, Dosa Shamatem, O Ben Hirkinis Shamatem. Tell me. Whose name did you hear it in? Did you hear it in the name of Rabbi Dosa, of Dosa? 
or did you hear it in the name of Ben Harkinus? Ben Harkinus, who, who, did you, who did you hear it? Who did you hear it in the name of? Amrulay, Chaye, Rebbe, Stam, Shamanu. They said, Rebbe, you know what? The truth is you're saying good. We just heard it in the name of Ben Harkinus. That's all. We didn't hear it in the name of Rabbi Dos. We heard it in the name of Ben Harkinus. So we assumed that who's Ben Harkinus? Ben Harkinus is Rabbi Dos Ben Harkinus. So I said, this is incredible. Amrulahem, Ach, Katan, Yeshli, Bechar Satan, who? The Yonas and Shmo. Wow. So Rabbi Dosa says, you know, I have a little brother, Ach Katan, and he's a Bechar Satan. He's a son of a Satan, right? The son of a Satan. He, not, only, not only is the son of the Satan, he is the Bechar, right? Bechar is Chashivas. He is the Farah, son of the Satan, right? He is the Bechar of the Satan. Now his name is Yonasan. Now what's the Chapat Yonasan? Vahumi Tamide Shamai. And he is one of the most kanosha. He's one of the most zealot, right? One of the zealotrous, zealotrous, zealotrous. Good. One of, one, of, one of the biggest zealots of Shammai. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Bechor Satanu, Charif va'omid al Shmuel va'osem ma'iseve eno shamushos lasos kirabim. The reason why Rabbi Dosa calls his brother son of a Satan, the the Bechor of the Satan, is because. It's one thing to go ahead and be harif, to be sharp in your shitos. And it's one thing, of course, to have your halachic opinions. The problem was he never, he never backed down, even when faced with rabbin, even when faced with a majority that held a different way. So I was saying, it's an interesting idea, which is, so first of all, Rabbi Dosa was saying, by the way, the Ben Hurkinus that you heard Paskin like Beishamai wasn't me. It's not me. It ultimately was my brother, was my brother, Yonah's son, Ben Harkinus. You heard in the name of Ben Harkinus, you thought it was Rabbi Dosa Ben Harkinus. No, it was Yonah's son, Ben Harkinus. So, so first of all, so many incredible yesodos from this particular story. Number one, you see the need to clarify things that you hear and don't just believe when someone tells you that someone said something, especially if it's something upsetting. Here, all of these Rabbanim just assumed, just assumed that Lamaiset was Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus. So Bar Hashem, they had the koach, they had the courage to clarify and it turns out they were wrong. It wasn't Rabbi Dosa. Rabbi Dosa passes like Beiselel. It was Yonasan, the son of the Satan, the Bechor of the Satan, who passes like Beishamai. That's number one. Number two, I will say is that, that this idea with Yonah's son, in life, it's good to have your shitos, right? It's good to have your hashkafas, and it's good to have your ideas, and it's good to have your principles. But it's also good to know when to stand your ground and when to back down. You see, the problem with Yonah's son is that he was a very principled man, held like Beishamai, but the rabbin didn't. The rabbin didn't. And in halacha, there's a mechanism. Achei rabbin lahatos. You follow the majority. That's, that's the way it works. The halacha was followed like base Hillel. But yet, he wouldn't yield. That's not principled. That's arrogant. That's arrogant. And this is an incredible yisod in life. Because often we get into these situations where I believe one way. I believe one way. But it's clear that I'm a minority opinion. So sometimes people just, now again, are there times when you're the minority opinion that you have to go ahead and stand your ground? Sure, Kalal Yisrael is a minority in the world. We still have to stand our ground. But Lameis, I'm talking about an interpersonal conflict, in communal conflict, right? In halachic conflict. So sometimes you have to know when to yield. Sometimes you have to know because at a certain point in time, people stand on principles and there's kind of like a fine line between standing on principles and being the son of the Satan. 
right? And, and that's an incredible use. So to know when to stand your ground, but also when to yield. Sigmar goes weiter. So Rabbi Dosa tells his guests, by the way, and by the way, whatever you do, don't engage my brother Yonah's son in a discussion about halacha. Don't, don't, don't engage. But say, I, again, I just, I know we're still jump just a second, because what's just, what's just like rattling around in my mind is how a whole machlokis in Kalal Yisrael was avoided because people sat down and spoke. I know I said this already, but it's just so, so dramatic to me. So much machlokis avoided because people decided to have a conversation. How much strife in marriage would be avoided if a husband and wife just sat down? How much strife in relationship between parents and children would be avoided if he just spoke it out? It's difficult to talk things out. It's difficult to talk things out. But Lamaisa, how much would be accomplished if we just sat down and spoke? And I will say, I'm sorry, there's one more thing. I know we have to go on, but there's one, it's a very exciting game. There's one more thing, which is, Notice how they engaged Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, right? They didn't come in guns blazing, saying, how do you pass in like Beishamah, you pass like Beishamah, what do they do? They have a conversation, Shalom Aleichem, they pepper him with a whole bunch of questions, they only come to Tzara Sabas at the end of, at the end of the conversation. An incredible use of also in conflict resolution. That when you know that you have to have a difficult conversation with someone or a potentially difficult conversation with someone, there's a way to lay the ground, right? You, you don't come in guns blazing, right? But rather you set the table, you ease into it, you establish a camaraderie, you establish a friendship, you establish that, that I'm here as a friend, not as a foe. Because if you jump right into it, can you imagine they come in, Rabbi Dosmanakis, we heard that you Paskin that Sarasabas is us, is mutter, excuse me, is mutter. Again, it could be that Rabbi Dosa and Horkinus would have had the same reaction, but as Osvassal, he wouldn't have. But by laying the right, right groundwork for a difficult conversation, by setting the table in the right way, you mamish amplify your chances of success in any event. So Rabbi Dosa and Horkinus says, but let's finish. Rabbi Dosa and Horkinus says, that Allah, whatever you do, don't engage my brother. Don't engage my brother because he's going to tear you apart. First wide line. He has 300 proofs. 300 proofs about Saras Habas that it's mutter. So whatever you do, don't engage him. But listen to this. Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Dovsa ben Horkinus says, Rabbi Dovsa ben Horkinus says, but my, my, my brother Yonasan is very smart. He's got 300 rayas, 300 proofs as to why Tzara Sabas is mutter, as to why the halacha follows Beishamai. But I want to tell you, but I swear by heaven and earth, then on this day, apparently there was a grinding stone that was there. So Chagai, the prophet, sat on this grinding stone, and he said the following three halachas. Saras Habas Asura, number one, Saras Habas Asur. That's the first thing he said. So again, I was guys before Beiselel. But even before Beiselel, he said the co-wife of an erva is Asur. That's number one. Amonomov Maasrin, Maisir Ani Bishrius, the lands of Amon and Moab. They both said lands of Ammon and Moab were originally part of Eretz Yisrael under the conquest of Yoshua. But as we'll see, when they came back from Babel, they did not reconquer them. Because of that, those lands do not have Kiddushas Eretz Yisrael. Because they don't have Kiddushas Eretz Yisrael in a Shemitah year, which we are Zohar to be in now, in a Shemitah year, ultimately, again, you're obligated to tithe those lands and they are obligated to go ahead and give Maiser Ani. So it's interesting. In other words, they don't have Kiddushas Shviyas, 
but they are part of Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, again, during the Shemitah year, they are obligated to go ahead and dispense tithes to the poor. Again, we'll discuss this in just a moment. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Amon Moav, Yisraelim Hadarim Ba'aretz Moav, Amon Moav, Shekibesh Moshe, Misich, Omnes Eretz Yisrael. When Moshe Rabbeinu came into Eretz Yisrael, he went ahead and he conquered these lands. He conquered these lands. And what happened? But now during the times of the second base, I think we'll discuss this in greater depth in just a moment. They no longer have their Kiddushas Eretz Yisrael. But the rabbis instituted But Chazal instituted that during the Shemitah year, these lands have to go ahead and separate out Maiserishon and Maiserani. And they did this for the benefit of the poor. That since during Shemitah, Rashi says over here, so beautiful. Chazal instituted that the lands of Ammon and Moab should give Maiserani during the Shemitah year. Why? Because during the Shemitah year, interestingly enough, as much as, as much as everything is Hefker, but because everything is Afghar, everything has everyone has access to it. And because of that, at the end of the day, there's no leket, there's no shikha, there's no peah, there are none of the other tithes. Chazal institute the lands of Ammon and Moab should tithe, should give Maisrani, leave leket, shikha, and peah as well. This way the poor have a source of sustenance for them, only for them, during the Shemitah year. Furthermore, what else did he institute? And ultimately, we accept converts from the Karduyin and from the Tarmudin. Now, we're going to discuss this. Ultimately, again, there was a question about whether or not these people were non-Jewish or whether they were Mamzerim. We'll get to that in just a moment. So the point over here is that Rabbi Dosil bin Horkin says, guys, Guys, my chevra, I just want you to know, this is not my psak halacha, that Saras Habas is Asura like Basilo. Chagai, I swear to you, Chagai said this already. So both say, so good. So now the Rabbanim are happy, they left, they cleared up the misconception. Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus is, is in line with normative halachic approach that halacha follows Basilo, that Saras Habas, the co-wife of an erva, does not do yibum. She has the status of the erva herself. Incredible. So we'll say now watch this. When they came in to Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus' house, they came in in one entrance. When they left, they left out of three different exits. The idea was they did not want to run into Yonah's son. So Rabbi Yeshua was saved. Rabbi Dosa ben Azariah was saved. But apparently Rabbi Akiva runs into Yonah's son. So he asked him questions, he asked him questions, and he answered, Amar Allah, so we'll say, so ultimately again, apparently Rabbi Akiva wasn't able to answer the questions, but Rabbi, but, but Yonasan answered the questions. Amar Allah, Akiva, So Yonasan apparently was not very impressed with Rabbi Akiva. Are you the Akiva whose reputation has spread throughout the entire world? So Amar Allah, um, I'm sorry. It's so Jonas and says Rabbi Akiva, it's very nice that you have such a reputation, but I just want to tell you, in my eyes, you have not even reached the level of a cattle, a cattle herder, right? A cattle shepherd. Rabbi Akiva says, you know what, you're right. The truth is, I'm not even a sheep herder. Forget about a cattle herder. I guess being a cattle herder is a little bit more of a chashiv profession. Rabbi Akiva says, I'm not even a shepherd. 
I'm not even a shepherd. So the sharp exchange between Yonasa and Rabbi Akiva, but yet Rabbi Akiva, in his ultimate humility, in his ultimate humility, goes ahead and says, you know what, you're right, but actually you're right, but you're wrong. I'm not even a cattle herder. I'm just a simple shepherd. And I will say, by the way, Rabbi Akiva's, Rabbi Akiva's response comes with such profundity because at the end, remember, how did Rabbi Akiva start out? Rabbi Akiva did start out as a simple shepherd. And perhaps also at Rabbi Akiva was sensitizing this to it. It's so beautiful. How did Rabbi Akiva see himself? He always saw himself as a simple shepherd. See, the greatness of Rabbi Akiva was as much as his name and his fame did spread from one end of the world to the other, in his own eyes, he was always just a simple shepherd. It's almost reminiscent of David HaMelech as well, right? Mizmor David Hashem Ro'i Lo Hashem is my shepherd. The Malbim says, David HaMelech identifies Hashem as the shepherd because he also self-identifies as a shepherd. That Lamaisi, again, sometimes the hallmark of great people is with all of their greatness and with all of their accomplishment, they're always able to maintain their humility. <laughs> Rabbi Akiva, I think most of us would be offended if we had an exchange like this with a Yonah son. You're not even a cattle herder. You're just, Rabbi Akiva saying, you know what, you're right. But you're right and you're wrong. I'm just a simple man. At the end of the day, let's say, so sometimes in life, the key to success is no matter what our accomplishments are, to maintain our humility no matter how high we rise. So the Gemara goes right there. So now we're going to talk about the three rulings of Chagai. So Chagai says, so, Moses, so, that, so first of all, okay, we resolve two things. Number one, number one, the Aloha follows Basilo. That's number one, that Sarah Sabas, co-wife of an erva, has the status of an erva. Number two, we established the fact that Beishamai did not only espouse halachic ideology, but they went ahead and held like those halachic positions as well. So I'm say, so now we go on. So remember, Chagai said, Amon and Moab, Ma'asim, Maeser, Ani, Bishvius. The lands of Amon and Moab, they go ahead and they separate out Maeser, Ani, during the Shemitah year. Do Amr Mar, Harbe Krochim, Kavshu, Ole, Mitzrayim, Lo, Kavshu, Ole, Bavel. I will say, when he came in Territ Yisrael, really, Amon and Moab was conquered by Moshe Rabbeinu. When we come in with Moshe and then Yoshua, there are many cities that we captured when we came up from Mitzrayim. For Lo, Kavshu, Ole, Bavel. But a lot of those cities were not recaptured when we came back with Ezra, to rebuild the second base of Mikdash. And the initial sanctity under Yoshua, and Moshe and Yoshua, was only a sanctity for that time. But once the base of Mikdash was destroyed and we were exiled, that sanctity left, and only that which was re-sanctified under Yoshua ultimately again regains sanctity. So the lands of Ammon and Moab which were not re-sanctified under Ezra, I think I said, under Ezra, by what we call Ole Babel, did not have sanctity. Therefore, again, V'henichum, k'deshi yismuchu aleim aniyem b'shviyas, So I'll say it's interesting, according to the Gemara, it almost sounds like that Chazal went ahead and made a, made a conscious decision to go ahead and not re-sanctify those lands in order to allow them to separate us. So they have some level of Kedusha, Sarit Yisrael, Rabbinic Kedusha. So therefore, again, that's enough to go ahead and tell the farmers there, tithe, right? Separate my Ani, but it's not subject to Shemitah. Therefore, the Aniyim have a place where they could still collect tithes during the Shemitah year. Incredible. And we accept Gerim from Karmudim and Karduim and Tarmudim. Now, who are these people? Imi, we don't go ahead and separate, except Gerim from Karduim. Karduim is the name of a people. 
Amravashi, kartuyim itmar. No, no, no. You're getting confused between karduyim and kartumim. Kido amri inshi, kartuyim psulim. Kartuyim are psulim. Both say kartuyim are mamzerim. We'll discuss why in just a moment. Vikida amri. Both say others have a different version of this exchange. Tani rami vayicheskel in mekabim girem in kartuyim. Ultimately, we don't accept gain from the kartuyim. My love, hainu kartuyim, hainu karduyim. Are the kartumim and the karduyim the same people? Amravashi lo, kartuye lochod, the karduye lochod. They're two different groups. Two different groups. Kida ami inshi, kartuye psili, kartuye psili. So kartuye are apostle, karduyim are moter. Now, when we say this, that means kartuyim are mamzerim. And therefore, again, they can't intermarry into the Jewish regular pool of Jewish people versus kardumim who are goyim, they're Gentiles. And therefore, again, if they want to convert, they have no problem converting. We'll discuss why the Mamzeros issue comes up. Rabbi Yochanan v'sabi yudami tarvayu, tarmudim. Is another version that we don't write. Rabbi Yochanan and right, Rabbi Yochanan says that halacha la'maisa. Rabbi Yochanan and Savi hold that we don't accept gerim from Tamudim. Umiyamar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan really say this. Vatanan. We learned kolak ksamim habay min arakem tahorim. Ultimately, I will say any ksamim. I will say ksamim are stains of blood. So in other words, the blood. Rashi says shenimtsu bebegata habay merakem. If there's a blood stain on an article of clothing that comes from Rechem, it's Tahar. Now ultimately, again, why is it Tahar? Because we assume that the residents of Rechem are not Jewish. And ultimately, again, the dam, the ksamen, the blood of, let's say, damnida, of, of non-Jews does not convey Tumah in any way. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, um, Rabbi Huda metame. Rabbi Huda ultimately says that it's Tameh. Ultimately, again, because they are Jewish, Rashi says, and therefore, again, the blood does have ritual purity. What was the problem? So the people of Rechem ultimately are Jewish. So what was the problem? They were living amongst non-Jews, and as a result, they kind of lost their way. Rashi says, such a beautiful Rashi, I mean, beautiful and sad. Apparently, the Jews of Rechem were surrounded by Gentile neighbors. As a result, many of them just gave up their Yiddishkeit or just became fuzzy on some of the details of their Yiddishkeit. But nevertheless, the halacha is once a Jew, always a Jew. Rashi says over here, even though they sinned, and even though they may have given up certain aspects of faith, Yisrael Amin. Let's say what, a, what, a, what an important thing to remember. Yisrael, Afal Pishachati Yisrael. A Jew, even if he sins, is still a Yisrael. It applies to Am Yisrael, certainly applies to us. Sometimes we make mistakes and we think as a result of our mistakes, we've given up our entire spiritual standing. I've abdicated my spiritual standing, and it's not true. Even though I sin, even though I make mistakes, Yisrael, who I still have my Kedusha Yisrael. In any event, the point over here is that the Jews, the people who lived in Rakem, they were Jews. They were Jews. They unfortunately just were assimilated Jews and perhaps forgot much of the halacha. So we asked about this, Ahmed Beis. Kaposik Vitani. So I will say, I but we learned elsewhere that it's tar. So how do you understand this? How do you reconcile this? So the Gemara says, Kaposik Vitani. So the Gemara says, Mibena min tarmut. Ultimately, again, it means that ultimately, again, if you have ksamim that come 
Ultimately, again, from Ovdei Kochavim, as the Gemara said before, if you have, if you have some, if you have stains of blood that come from Ovdei Kochavim, that is Tahar. And ultimately, again, Vafilu min Tarmud, and even from Tarmud. So apparently, the Gemara is saying that the people of Tarmud have the status of non-Jews. Vam Rabbi Yochanan, Zosomeres, Mekablin Gerim Tarmud. Ultimately, again, that we do accept Gerim, we do accept converts from Tarmud. Vechitema Zos Velo. I say, maybe you'll say, Maybe it means no, that we don't accept Gerim from Talmud. So the Gemara says, so But we learned that Rabbi Yochanan says, to which would seem to be that we do go ahead. We do go ahead and accept, we do go ahead and accept Gerim from Talmud. To which the Gemara says, you're right. Ultimately, again, it's a machlokis amoraim in accordance with Rabbi Yochanan. So I will say, what's interesting about this is as follows. There seems to be a fundamental machlokis. Do we accept Gerim from Tarmud or not? That's the fundamental question. Now I will say, now what's, what's the machlokis? Mi Tarmud, my time alone. So I will say, according to the opinion who says, again, according to the opinion who says that we accept Gerim from Tarmud, it's very simple, they're not Jews. But according to the opinion who says that we don't accept Gerim from Tarmud, what's the problem? What, what's, what, what happened in Tarmud? Rabbi said, this is an incredible Gemara. So the Gemara says, Mitarmud, my time alone, Pligi bar Rabbi Yochanan v'sabio. So Machlokis, Rabbi Yochanan and Sabio. What's the Machlokis? Chad Amr Mishum Avde Shlomo. One opinion said the problem with Tarmud was the servants of Shlomo. The Chad Amr Mishum Benos Yerushalayim. And one said it was the daughters of Yerushalayim. Now what does this mean? But we say, if you take a look at Rashi, Avde Shlomo, Shenosu Benos Yisrael, Machmas Oshran. So we now listen to this. So one opinion says, what's up with the residents of Tarmud? These were the rich servants of Shlomo. Shlomo had incredible wealth. So because of that, even his servants became incredibly wealthy. Because they became incredibly wealthy, that wealth granted them access, unfortunately, into the marriage pool of Amisra. So they went ahead, they went ahead and they they went ahead and they married Jewish women. So because they married Jewish women, they, they so they married Jewish women. Now both say now interestingly enough, this opinion reflects the idea that Evet if an Evet fathers a child with a Jewish woman, that child is a mamzer. Now that's a discussion in halacha, but apparently that's what this particular opinion holds. So the residents of Tarmud were the original descendants ultimately of the servants of Shlomo, servants of Shlomo, and Jewish women. So non-Jewish servants with Jewish women. And again, Rashi says, So because they assume that the products of this union, again, is a machlokas, that the products of the union, Oved Kochavim or Eved, who fathers a child with a Jewish woman, that offspring ultimately is a mamzer. So because of that, the residents of Tarmud were considered to be mamzerim, and therefore I will say again, allowing them into the general pool is problematic. We'll see over here that this is a tragic, tragic idea. They're both tragic ideas, but this is when Yerushalayim was overrun by foreign armies that there were many Jewish women, unfortunately, again, who were violated. And, and as a result, gave birth to children as a result of these acts of violation. So ultimately, again, Rashi says over here, not only that, but in the aftermath of that, 
there was intermarriage as well. And apparently, again, the results of these unions went ahead and settled in Tarmud. So according to the opinion who holds that it was a problem that the servants of Shlomo went ahead and fathered children with Jewish women. That Oved Kochavim, or an Eved, who fathers a child with a Bas Yisrael, the offspring is a Mamzer. And I will say, we don't pass in that way, Halacha Lamaisa, but apparently this opinion does. What, what's the story with Benos Yerushalayim? So, Pligi Barav Yosef Rabbanan Vatarab Mishay Dirabah Barachana. Both say, listen to this. Chad Amar Tracer Alfe Gavri, Vishisa Alfe Kashduye. One said, Abba said that when the armies overran Yerushalayim, there were 12,000 foot soldiers and 6,000 archers. Vichad Amar Tracer Alfe Gavri, others say it was just 12,000 soldiers altogether. And amongst them, there were 6,000 archers. A tragic Gemara. We'll say first wide line. When ultimately the Ovdei Kochavim came into the base Hamikdash to overrun it. Everyone came to take the gold and the silver. The Haim, these 12,000 soldiers or 18,000 soldiers, depending on how you calculate, so unfortunately, what happened when Yerushalayim was destroyed, Yerushalayim was destroyed is the large segment of the invading army went to take the riches. But there were some significant 12,000, 18,000 soldiers who set their eyes on the Jewish women of Yerushalayim. Pasik says, Quoting the Pasuk from, from Eicha, they, they afflicted the women of Tzion, the Basulos, in Ariud, in the cities of Yehuda. So I will say, an incredible, overwhelming Gemara. So they, they were, there were those who were just here for the money to take the gold and silver of Yerushalayim, and others who went out and abused the women of Yerushalayim, the women of Ari Yehuda. Amar Rabbi Yishmua Bar Nachmani, Amar Rabbi Yonasan, Pasuk Zeh Sarha Olam Amru. This Pasuk ultimately, again, the Sarah Olam Rashi says, who's the Sarha Olam? Malach. Malach said this Pasuk. So the Gemara says, Nar Hayisi Vigam. So we'll say, I'll just point out to you how, it just, it's very overwhelming to read this Pasuk. Nashim B'Tzion Inu B'Suos Ba'ar Yehuda. As I teach you this, as I learn this Gemara with you from Tzion, from Yerushalayim. What days we live in? What days we live in? What happened to Yerushalayim and what happened here? And the destruction of Baruch Hashem that we're zochet to live in a time where literally, I don't know if you hear in the background some of the, some of the, uh, some of the traffic of Yerushalayim. It's, it's absolutely incredible the days in which we are living, the overwhelming days in which we are living, the contrast, how in our daft today we learn about how Yerushalayim was pillaged, Beisad Mikdash was pillaged and plundered, the women of Yerushalayim were pillaged, and yet, Baruch Hashem Zachinu to live in a day, to live in times where we see Yerushalayim being rebuilt, literally, literally rebuilt, in every single moment of every single day. It's incredible. So the Gemara says, well, so now the Gemara just transitions. Amar Narayisi Vigamzakanti. Who said the Pasik? Narayisi Gamzakanti. Who said that we, we had this before? Narayisi Gamzakanti. I was a lad, I was young, I got old. Valora Isi Tzadik Nezav. I never saw a Tzadik who was forsaken. Vizara Mavakesh Lacham and his offspring seeking bread. Who said it? If you want to say, get old? But it was David who said it. David Amalek said it. And I both say, now, interestingly enough, only reason the Gemara is saying this is because 
since we just said the Pasik in Eicha was inspired by a Malach, right? It was a Malach who saw the incredible destruction and ultimately went ahead and went ahead and said this and said this. So ultimately, again, we quoted this Pasik in the earlier Sugya. We're just curious, who said the Pasik of Narayisi? So it couldn't be a Kodesh Baruch Hu because it's not Kodesh Baruch Hu to say, I was young and then I became old. It was David. I bit ultimately again, did David HaMelech, did David HaMelech ultimately again go ahead and get that old? So the Gemara says, Rather, you have to say who said it. It was the Sarah Olam. Now, both say, we're going to see, Rashi says over here once again, Sarah Olam is a Malach. So we'll say, so it's interesting, it's interesting. So David HaMelech only died at the age of 70. So it's not that David HaMelech could really say, Nari Zigam Zakanti, did he reach Zikna? Did he reach old age? He lived, he lived to 70 years old. That's not so old. So therefore the Gemara says, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, that it's the Sarha Olam. And again, Rashi says, Sarah Olam always means a Malach. Sarah Olam does not mean a Kodesh Baruch Hu. It means a Malach. It means a Malach. So we'll say, it is interesting that the attribution of this Pasuk is not to David HaMelech, but according to the Gemara over here, ultimately, it's the Sarah Olam. Now, I'll just point out, the Pasha Pshat and the Pasuk is not like this, right? The Pasha Pshat is that it is David HaMelech who said this Pasuk. And why did David HaMelech say this Pasuk? And it's really an incredible idea. Narei Sigam Zakanti, because David HaMelech only lived to 70, but Lamai said that was his old age. What David HaMelech was saying on a basic level, Velora Tzadik Nezov, and, and I want to I conclude with this, we'll leave the rest of this Gemara Mir Hashem for tomorrow, but I just want to conclude with this Yisod, because what we said before was a little bit more on a Hashkafic level. I start out life as a Nar, as a young man, and then I become old. Old, not a reference to biological age, but old a reference to sometimes it just, I get old. Right? You ever have one of those days where you just feel old? You give up your life, you give up your, you give up your dreams, your aspirations, your hope, but ultimately again, Velora isi tzadik Become a tzaddik, have dveikos Bashem. And when you have a connection to Hashem, that, that fuels you with hope, with optimism, with aspirations. Good. Pashib Shat is Davra had a very difficult life. Davra had an incredibly difficult life. And the truth is, in David HaMelech's experience, the good guys didn't always win. David HaMelech was on the short end of the stick for much of his life, and for no good reason. For no good reason. Other than the fact, of course, the best reason, that it was the plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When David HaMelech says, You know, I didn't live a long life, but I was young, and I got old. And the truth is, every single step of my life journey was difficult. Every single step of my life journey was difficult. But Lamaisa, Velo Raisi Tzadik Nezav, Vizarma Vakeshachim. One thing I could tell you is Hakadish Baruchu takes care of everyone. At the end of the day, the Rebono Shal Olam always comes through. Maybe he doesn't come through when I want it, or how I want it, or in the manner that I desired it. But Velo Raisi Tzadik Nezav. David Amal says, I could tell you, as someone who encountered an incredible amount of life adversity and difficulty. Ah, now you can hear the traffic. As someone who encountered an incredible amount of life adversity and difficulty, I could tell you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu always comes through. It may take a while. HaKadosh Baruch Hu never leaves anyone high and dry. Maybe life doesn't follow the plan you had for yourself. Maybe life doesn't follow the script as you had scripted it. But ultimately, again, 
An incredible lesson is something we all have to take to heart. So, all right, so we'll stop over here for today. Such a schuss to be able to learn with you, Amir. So look forward to continuing finishing the parak tomorrow. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. Yes, yeah, shakayach, everyone. Shakayach.